Listener Production. Hi, I'm Helen McCabe, founder of Future Women, a club helping women to connect, learn and lead. Over my career, I've run teams inside newspapers, edited a magazine and launched my own business. This has meant building a team from scratch, leading through difficult times and managing the odd crisis. I've never had any leadership training because I thought you were either good at leading or you weren't. I thought being decisive was a key metric for success. I was wrong and it led me to make simple but avoidable mistakes. In this series, I'm doing what I should have done years ago, reaching out to people who I admire, who have also successfully run teams across all types of industries. So I can ask their advice on some of the common leadership challenges. Earlier this year, I took part in a cybersecurity study tour to Tel Aviv, led by today's guest, the Chief Executive of Trans-Tasman Business Circle, Tanya Oziel. After the trip, Tanya and I stayed on to spend another day touring Jerusalem and Bethlehem. During a late lunch on a hot afternoon at the American Colony Hotel, we discussed her latest venture, Women Leaders by the Circle. Tanya has been working with important people, and mainly men, building one of the most influential business networks in the region. Today, I wanted to talk to her about relationships, how a week with like-minded men and women can be life-changing, and how she creates the environment for this to happen. But in case you can't see quite how this relates to your life, stick around, because it does. And I think the sooner you grasp these concepts, the easier being a leader can be. Tanya Oziel, welcome to the Future Women Leadership Series. Thank you so much for having me. I want to start by congratulating you on the launch of Women's Leader by the Circle. Tell us a bit about how it works and how long it's been in the gestation phase. Gestation, four years, evolved, not something we actually planned. Um, Basically, about four years ago, we took the first female leaders study tour to Silicon Valley led by Pip Marlowe. It was something that we were actually hesitant to do because we'd never sort of siloed one community or one demographic. We were there for everyone. And a lot of people had said to us, you know, you should be doing things for women. And I was quite resistant to be very honest about it. In fact, I was uncomfortable with it because I thought if we're representing the business community across the region, how could I create something that was just for one particular audience? Anyway, I was very surprised and humbled and actually inspired by what we created. So we, for the first time ever, took this group of 35 incredible female leaders who taught me so much, who took me out of my comfort zone and actually led me to realise what sisterhood actually looks like and what supporting women and each other actually looks like. It was the beginning of something bigger than me, bigger than us, And that happened in 2019. And I think because it was so successful and because of sort of a community we had started creating, we realised that as a business organisation that does represent most of the um, brands in Australia and New Zealand and the multinationals, we were onto something that uh, could be quite incredible. You make some really interesting points. So let's just go back to that point around having a gender-segregated community Are you fully comfortable today? I'm transformed. (laughs) It's like I've seen, yeah, I've seen the light. Okay, so what happens when all those fabulous men that you have worked with in the past say to you, 
But Tanya, you know, how come you just take the women away? Is that really a thing in 2022? Because that's what I hear at Future Women. Organisations are constantly going, oh, I don't know, the men get upset. How do you answer that? So I think it's about equality. It's an interesting one because I was always a guy's girl. I was always a men's girl. I felt very comfortable in the men's circle. In fact, I felt more comfortable with the men. So it was, yeah, it's been really interesting and I, and I love being honest about it because I think if someone like me can change, then other people can change. Look, I'm still uncomfortable with parts of it, to be honest. Like I still hear that rhetoric of, well, you're not doing a men's only visit to Silicon Valley or why are we missing out on this? So I think, and that's why I'm so inspired by your work, is how do we bring the men into the conversation? How do we not only bring them in, how do we make them feel part of it and actually champion this way? Because I think it's very important not to leave them out. I think, as you and me have shared in the past, behind many great women, including myself, is an incredible man. So I don't want to leave them out. And that's the that's the key, right? I mean, I, I almost see like this is a moment in time where there's still so much work to be done. I mean, the pay gap is still large and in some cases getting larger. We've got a gender segregated workforce. All the women are in teaching and childcare and nursing and aged care. Um, all the men are in mining and construction and banking. And we still have a lot of family violence that is mostly committed by men. So we've got lots of big structural problems, but we are seeing a trend towards it being perfectly acceptable to bring men into the future women community and they're completely comfortable. So it's an exciting development. It is exciting. And, you know, as a mother, I've brought up a son who totally respects his partner, his fiance, totally respects his mother as a, as a leader in this space. So I think it's about it's about bringing up our boys better. I think that's where it starts. It starts with the mothers um, and the fathers, of course. But, you know, if we teach our sons to be great men, then they're going to be great men to their wives, to their brothers, to their sisters. So I think a lot starts with us and changing, changing the narrative. Let's talk a bit about being a female leader or colleague who's more comfortable working with men because that has its positives and its negatives. Tell me a little bit about your own leadership journey in that, in that context. So that was me four years ago. I was like, I'm the, I'm the guy girl. <laughs> Today, I've got a lot of sisters who have changed my life. So I have to say that I was that person and maybe I was resistant to the fact that women were actually as powerful, if not more. So maybe I was intimidated by women. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why my resistance was to work with women or, or focus in this place. And that's what I say, like the biggest lesson for me in this is that I have been on a personal journey and seen how amazing and transformative it is when women actually get together. And I don't want to take away from the men. So I keep going back to that because I just think that there's a place for all of us in this beautiful circle. And I think that's why, you know, us as a business organisation, as a circle, it is about inclusivity. It is about everyone coming together. And what we're doing with the launch of Women Leaders by the Circle, 
which is actually not only for women, but we have also extended it to non-binary, which I think is so important, um, is going to be the way forward for for us as a business organisation and for us as leaders. This podcast is designed to give leadership hacks to women who are out there in organisations all over the country trying to find solutions to quite complex problems. So tell me, you've been around incredible leaders the whole time as part of your work at The Circle. What leadership traits do you most admire? On a personal level, I've always just been me. I can't be anyone else except me. So I love authentic leadership. Um, I think I think when people come into our world and the circle world, they're in a very safe environment. So I think a lot of the people come into our environment as people, not as their titles, which is ironic because it is an organisation that prides itself on who's in the room and what you do. But I think... If I've learned anything with the the people I've been around for the last 30 years, it's about the heart first. And I think that's where we, our DNA at the circle is about the heart first. And I think if you give your heart, you get the heart back. And I think very much one thing I could say to people who are listening to this is just be you because you is the best version of, of anything. And I think a lot of the problems that some women may face in their in their working environment is that they're trying to be something that they're not. So authenticity, I think, is the key to success. How does your business work? We change lives. And how do we do that? You've come on our journey, so you see. (laughs) So we uh, take people on journeys, whether it's in a boardroom, whether it's on a study tour, whether it's a one-on-one. I think what we've created is something about bringing people together, connecting people at... um, Almost, and I, I use this word heart because it's very important to who we are at, at a heart level because there's so much pressure on us to be something in a box and labelled and I think where we are different is that you can be who you want to be and I think we resonate that as a business from within. I certainly do that as a leader. I resonate it with my team who are all heart, and we resonate that with with our stakeholders, whether they be multinationals or whether they be individuals who just need to connect to other people. So you're taking a study tour. You've got uh, 20 leading Australian business figures and to everyone who's listening, that is who Tanya works with, um, the biggest names in the business community in the country. And you see someone who's not fitting in or isn't, getting involved, what do you do as a heart person? I think just connect to them and talk to them and, you know, everyone's everyone's battling something and especially when I think you're in a leadership role, it can be very lonely. You're expected to be something, you're expected to fit into some sort of box, into some sort of structure that not necessarily defines who you really are. So I think it's all about reaching out. And, again, I mean, we're seeing this much more, I think, think across the board, authentic leadership is the way uh, forward. And I think most of the successful leaders are showing their vulnerability. COVID definitely showed us that. And I think um, a lot of organisations that are really leading the way have leaders who are leading from, not only from the top, but also from the heart. So compassion. So I reach out. I reach out. I, 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 I really feel for people who walk into our boardroom who don't know anyone 
Uh, so we did about 250 boardroom briefings across three countries and sometimes people will walk in and they don't know anyone. So it's about reaching out, making people feel welcome. just diverge for a second and talk a bit about your business relationship with Johnny Weiss because it's not just the heart doesn't just come from you it comes from your partnership with Johnny and from my observation the magic that the two of you weave when you're working in concert. So that has to be one of the biggest blessings in my life and I think in our life and this year we actually celebrate 30 years together so thank you for actually raising that. So Johnny has been part of yeah my professional life for all of 32 years. I met him when I was 22. I went for a job interview as a secretary for the Australia-Israel Chamber of Commerce in Double Bay and I rocked up in uh, purple shorts and a purple matching shirt and I thought I looked amazing. <laughs> and I walked in for this incredible job interview and uh, it was we were kindred spirits and it happened straight away. It wasn't because I was wearing purple shorts, just so everyone gets that. <laughs> No, it wasn't. It was just like I did not take the, the the job, the job interview seriously, and we just shared a passion and we shared a vision and we fit into each other. And I think um, it's an amazing, it's amazing blessing in both our lives that we've been able to create what we've created. We've gone ridiculous adventures together. We have dreamed up the most impossible dreams and made them come true. And I think, you know, when I talk about incredible men supporting women, that is Johnny. And I will say this as well. He was an incredible son to his mother, Lottie. He is an incredible husband to his wife, Thea. He is an amazing father to his children and a grandfather to his granddaughters. So Johnny is surrounded by many women and um, he has the most incredible way to just give of his soul to everyone who's around him. So I'm very blessed and I think if if anyone can learn anything about from this podcast, it's surround yourself with the best people and people who will lift you because he's gave me every opportunity. What do the two of you do when you've got someone on the tour you just don't like? Or has that just never happened? <laughs> it's very funny you say that because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of one occurrence a few years ago, um, and Johnny doesn't like dislike anyone. You know, I'm, no, I'm more I like know. I'm I'm more like that. Please. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, we 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 it does it actually hasn't really happened. It happened once, and um, you know, Johnny had the conflict, which is unbelievable, and I took it over. So it's like you know, <laughs> we're a great tag team. <laughs> we manage. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. anyone listening, he's such a soft, gentle soul. And you are the doer and the energy. Like that's the <laughs> dynamic that the two of you've got. So did that person upset Johnny and you just went, right, off the bus. We don't need to yeah, know well, Is that what he happened? Ups- well, the, yeah, the, the person, <laughs> the unnamed person, not only yes. like decimated Johnny and I took it over <laughs> and I and then I schmoozed this guy all the way up. Uh, I think it was an eight-hour trip from the from the centre of Israel up, up to north and, and <laughs> we got there in the end but but I was like, Johnny, you stay at the back of the bus. I'll, I'll deal with this. So <laughs> it was great. Are you good at conflict then? Sounds like you are. And I imagine you would be. Yeah, I don't really. Do you, stuff doesn't really bother me that much. Honestly, I don't get 
you know, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? We're, I'm pretty good with conflict. I actually, I think I'm better in, with conflict than I am, you know, when things are going smoothly. Um, maybe that's my time in the Israeli army. I learnt how to deal with conflict and, and yeah, I've never really been one to create or be part of conflict. I like peace. I'm a peacemaker. I said in the opening that I went to Tel Aviv, Bethlehem and Jerusalem with you. How important is your heritage to who you are today? Oh, that's a beautiful question. And thank you for asking it. I think it's everything. I think it's everything because I think, you know, as a as a proud Jewish woman, I understand adversity. I understand racism. I understand a will to survive, the imperative to be who you are, authenticity. And I think it's actually made me who I am. And it's not always easy being Jewish in a minority in a world that, you know, sometimes really doesn't like you. So I've been very proud to never be ashamed of of that part of me because I think it's built the resilience. And, and I love taking, not only taking people to Israel to see the spirit of Israel and the whole uh, philosophy of tikkun olam, which is repairing the world, and that is really the foundation of Israel's um, will to innovate because it feels an obligation to give back to the world, whether it's agri-tech, cybersecurity, uh, fintech, etc. But I think my experience of who I am has actually made me much more passionate about First Nations issues, their right for ownership of a land, their connection to land, etc. So I've actually think that, you know, me being who I am has actually allowed me much broader insights into everything around me, including the issues we're facing in Australia now, which I'm very passionate about and which our next study tour will be focused around, I'm proud to say. I am very keen to know more about that. The other thing we talked a lot about when we were away was the practice of Shabbat and that time out. Mm-hmm. And mm. when people are super busy and, you know, heaven knows we're always talking about how busy we all are, the one thing that makes sense to me in a busy life is to take time out and to clear your mind. Do you actually ever do that, Tanya? Because you are the busiest person I've ever seen. <laughs> I so do that. So first of all, I've moved to New Zealand and I live on, <laughs> I live on a vineyard and I run this crazy sort of, you know, regional business, global business from my vineyard and I'm very much at peace here. So I came to New Zealand for, you know, um, love, which is a great reason to, you know, follow your heart and do what you want. It's been really good for me. COVID was really good for me personally. It gave me um, a time to stop and reflect, which it did for a lot of us. But I think the concept of Shabbat, I think if we could if we could actually take that day of rest and cut off from technology and cut off from our computers and our phones and all of it and actually just go within, it's an amazing thing to do, to just cut off, be with the people you love, go within and uh, cut off from the noise. So I'm a big advocate. I don't know, maybe we can create like a corporate Shabbat that that the world will (laughs) embrace. I mean, God must have known what he was doing when he said, take a day of rest. Absolutely. He probably knew that the, yeah. It makes so much sense as someone who 
you know, wakes up on a Saturday morning with a long list of things I want to achieve. But things I want to achieve do include, you know, like last weekend, a three-hour walk around the coast. Because I, I recognise the value of giving your brain a break from the everyday pressures to find the answers to whatever it is that you're trying to mull every week. What do you see happen on your study tours that we could all do in our life with a little bit of planning? Interesting. So you went through that journey and you saw at the beginning how everyone was sort of, you know, in more of a state of I'm coming in as what I do, not who I am, right? So I'll go back to what I said before. It's about allowing yourself to be vulnerable in your workplace. It's allowing yourself to be yourself in your workplace. It's it's surrounding yourself with great people. It's it's having conversations that are uncomfortable or real. I think so often we pretend to have these, you know, huge intellectual conversations and actually people just want to have, you know, normal conversations because everyone is going through something. And I think once you connect at the human level and you have that opportunity to, and this is what happens on study tours because you're on a bus for however many hours or you're sharing an experience, once you actually connect at the real level, then the business side of things sort of take care of themselves. So I, I keep going back to that word authenticity, but I think I think the more we bring our real selves to work and the more we're not afraid to show, you know, that we're not perfect. COVID taught a lot of women especially who were balancing kids at home, homeschooling, working. I mean, what I saw through COVID and a lot of the women that we work with who are usually the CMOs of organisations, how they were balancing and how it broke them. And I think, you know, when I saw women at their breaking point and, you know, we just wanted to hug them through a screen and say, it's okay, we'll get through this together, I think that really brought out a new way of coming back to the office because I don't think we all want to go back to the office the way we were before COVID. So, again, I go back to the heart and to being vulnerable and being real. Yeah, we had a um, a lot of genuine conversations between complete strangers, which I think mm. is something that you can replicate every day. Absolutely. Uh, we rush through our lives mm-hmm. at the coffee shop, uh, on the bus, at the bus stop. But whatever you're doing where you're interacting with people that you don't know, we, we tend to bring our game face. And if you can drop that uh, even for a little while, you might have a completely different experience, which I think is what I learned from spending time with you on that tour. And as you know, every one of those tour groups that you run, there ends up being lifelong relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had that night, of course, where the men in the group all shared notes about, you know, various personal challenges um, mm-hmm. and the women witnessed it and then had these conversations the next day. Did you hear that conversation between three um, distinguished men in every in every way, um, mm. just being completely vulnerable about some challenges mm. they were going through? So I think also Helen. Sorry, yes. can I just say something? Yes, you are a, a huge um, example of of authenticity. I mean, and I think this is where we have to be so mindful of when we read someone's bio on a LinkedIn page and when we actually meet them because, you know. What are you trying to tell me? 
No, I'm saying we can all be intimidating on our bios, right? Because we've done this, we've done that, you know, and people are scared sometimes to reach out. But it's it's interesting and, again, like, you know, we don't have to go to, to Israel or on a study tour to actually see people as who they really are. So, again, what you're saying is how do we learn the lessons and how do we actually create up create that safety net where people can actually be themselves because, um, you know, like CVs are really damn intimidating. Yeah, I guess so. And they don't... Only when you get older. I don't think they represent who we are. I I always say if if you hit 50, um, you're going to have a CV because you've done a lot. You've just been been on the earth for a long time. I want to talk about your organisational skills because... Mm -hmm. If you're running a study tour of a high-performing individuals used to having everything looked after for them, yeah, you got to have your wits about you. You must. You make it look effortless. How organised are you? And are there any it kind is, of? It is. It is so easy. <laughs> it's so easy. Oh well, yeah. Well, can you give us some hacks? Can you tell us like, is there an app or hacks, a person well, or no, a well, magic you something? Be, yeah, it's you got to be ADHD <laughs> and you got to be crazy. You got to have that level of you know a creative brain that doesn't get phased. Yeah, I work. I mean, me, I personally work. I'm not sure what the hack is. Like, I don't know. I just think we're lot all programmed. Lot, well, not even a lot of hours. I, I, you know, for me. And this is whole, the whole neurodiversity thing, which I've, I've been fascinated to learn about. We're all different. We're all wired differently. So what I can do, someone else can't. And whatever someone else can do, I can't. So my skill set is actually being able to pull things together really quickly and seeing, I suppose it's just the way my brain works. How do you become organised? I mean, you know, in the traditional way, people write lists or they, you know, they have voice notes or whatever. My brain just tells me what to do and I do it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, Helen. <laughs> you did organise me and a couple of others to go to Jordan with a day's notice, um, which is not the easiest thing to do. So I can attest to, yeah, your brain just tells you what to do. <laughs> Helen, where are you going? I want to go to Jordan. What time do you want to go? I'll have it sorted. And that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> it's um, also about building a great network, by the way. Oh, that is a big hack. Make sure you build a great network because that, that, that contact list is gold. Okay. How do you do that? You stay in touch with people when you don't need them and you build long-term relationships. So don't reach out to people when you need them. Make sure you nurture those relationships forever, not because you want something out of it, because it matters. Relationships matter and the magic of all of our work, including yours, you know it, is about the relationships. We can only pick up the phones to people that we, you know, who are in places of influence when when we've nurtured a relationship. Tanya Oziol, you lived up to all my expectations for this episode. Thank you so much for sharing those insights. This podcast was recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. Series producer is Holly Mitchell and audio imaging by Nat Marshall.